Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome. We are in the middle of the discussion on the 10 jewels of the Yoga Sutras. Now, these 10 jewels that we're talking about are actually the five yamas and five niyamas, two of the eight limbs of the Yoga Sutras. It comes from Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, and it's about the path to samadhi, the path to self-realization. And many of us know that yoga, or we've heard of yoga, and we think of it as the asanas, the postures that people get into. But for those of you who have been following this discussion, you know that yoga means a whole lot more than getting into a certain physical posture. And today we're discussing one of the niyamas, and niyamas are ways of living, self-observances. And today's uh, niyama we're going to introduce is tapasya. Yeah, tapasya. And so I'm going to introduce Zach. Some of you have been listening to us and know who Zach is. Um, my name is Sarah McLean, and I have been practicing meditation for 25 years. And I love to study these, the deepest um, ph philosophies of yoga. I love to read about saints and their practices. I love to read about mystics and their practices. And I really love to look at these different commentaries on the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali. So Zach has um, much more experience than I do on these, these ancient writings. So I'd love to have him in this discussion. So Zach, welcome. Mm, thank you. Um, yeah, as we move through, we um, move through the yamas and the niyamas, and this is really the beginning of our practice of yoga, and the neat thing about them is that we can use them in almost every situation in our life. Um, we don't have to always use them because that can be a little tough, but here we're using the practices of one at a time for these four days just to get used to what it is to acknowledge the ideas of the yamas and the niyamas. So as we move into our next one, tapasya, some people call it tapas. Um, it's a burning zeal or it's burning away the impurities or the practices that we do, the disciplines that we do in life to burn away the impurities physically, mentally, and emotionally. Um, it could be anything from waking up every morning at a certain time. It could be in yoga postures. It could be in stepping up and having courage to speak your mind. That is a great way to start to purify yourself. Um, I also like to put it in a way that there are some situations in life that we perceive as painful. Um, and through tapasya, we learn that the situations are learning experiences that polish who we are. And they clear cl clarify the mind so that we can actually look inside and see who we truly are in the moment, giving us an idea of what we truly need in the moment. So it's a great practice, sometimes feeling uncomfortable or being perceived as uncomfortable, but eventually you'll go through it enough 
you might actually start to learn that it's not just being uncomfortable, it is a purification that happens. So this third niyama is called tapas, and some people call it the spiritual fire, and Zach and I both run the um, Meditation Teacher Academy, and yesterday we were on a phone call with some of the teachers who have recently graduated, and we talked to them about being on this spiritual path. During the academy, we were talking about how when we're on a spiritual path, we do come across uh, certain situations, experiences, people that can really uh, trigger us in some way, that can really rock our world, that can help us to uh, return to our spiritual practices. I liken it to uh, a stone tumbler where we all come in, there are 15 or 20 of us at a time, and we all come in and we get into the stone tumbler and we just tumble away until we become uh, shiny and smooth. And I feel like that's what happens in life. And we can look at everything that occurs in our lives as a place to practice. And these niyamas are really uh, uh, referring to practices that we do when no one is actually looking. It's the way we meet life. And so this spiritual fire can occur um, when we notice that what is happening, what we may have previously thought happening to us, is now happening for us so that we then reconnect or yoke to our spiritual practice so that we can be present even when times are tough physically, mentally, and emotionally. And on the call yesterday, a number of the, the students were dealing with some physical issues, whether they were personally dealing with them or it was their loved one. And we talk about that's, that sometimes, and could it even be, that life is so uh, gracious and loves you so much that it gives you these opportunities to reconnect with that unconditioned aspect of you, one that has been cultivated and developed through your spiritual practices. So this tapas is like fire. It burns away um, what is not needed. And meditation is like that. It, it helps to um, recreate this wholeness. And it's the nature of the body to get rid of impurities. That's natural to you. And it's also the nature of the mind. And it's also the nature of meditation to help you dissolve any kind of emotional impurities or mental impurities. So... With meditation, that's one of the main practices of tapas. So this is an important um, practice in yoga is to be able to purify the body. A lot of times we do that through diets or we do it through fasting or even in this week of Lent, um, we have this purification that a lot of people in the country and all over the world are doing. And it's an opportunity for us to purify the body. Um, yoga and the postures, um, the asanas can be that where you sit in a, a posture for a while and you'll feel the burning in the body. The muscles will start to shake and eventually there's a release that can happen. Sometimes during that practice or sometimes it takes days or even months or years. Um, and then the mental purifications come in through the sitting and watching of the mind, even just being aware of it and, and taking that discipline to be in the present moment every single breath and that takes tremendous discipline which begins to have a burning sensation so also take it in the context of the rest of the yamas and the niyamas remember we're not supposed to hurt ourselves we're supposed to practice first the ahimsa being gentle with ourselves non-violence 
And with that in mind, we go and we create the fire. So there are some practices that may be not suited where you're actually going into that place of violence. That would be up to the individual. So as a practice that I used to do here in Sedona, I found a bush that I was going to sit under um, every day. It turned out to be three times a week more often than not. And I would go sit under this bush for an hour, no matter what was happening, whether it was cold, whether it was hot, whether it was in the sun or cloudy day or even in the rain. And as spring came along, the flowers on the bush started to come out. And then, of course, that brought bees. And so I would just sit under this bush and let the bees crawl across me. They would crawl on my face. And it was, I would feel like I was on fire because it was almost like I wanted to jump out of my skin. My mind kept coming up with all the reasons I should get out of there. And I just sat, would focus on my breath because that's the meditation I was doing and let the bees do what they did, which drove me crazy, but I sat there anyway. And the bees never bit me, of course, they wouldn't, why would they? And it turned out to be that fire that would burn away. And um, it was uncomfortable, to say the least, very uncomfortable, but the discipline helped me to move through the discomfort and see it for what it was. And when we were talking earlier, we were talking about the spiritual discipline of actually saying, yes, I'm going to meditate today, even if I don't feel like it, that um, being hard on ourselves, or what was I calling it, being uh, vigilant on our practices. And that can feel uncomfortable. You know, I think Westerners in general, maybe humans in general, always want to be happy and comfortable. And sometimes our spiritual practices don't feel like they're going to lead us to happiness in that moment. We'd rather, you know, surf the internet or have a cup of coffee. But in general... This tapas is about maintaining that spiritual practice, even when you don't necessarily want to. And there are lots of ways to do that, but I can uh, reflect. When he was telling me the bee story, I was thinking about when I spent some time living in the Zen Buddhist monastery. And the practices of Zen Buddhism, the sitting is called zazen, and it's very formal. Think of a Japanese tea ceremony where... The formality is a place of reflection, and you know everything is done just so. And in the sitting, it is very formal as well. There's a way to sit. There's a way of not moving. There's a way to hold your hands. There's the way initially of paying attention and counting the breaths. And we would sit in a very, very cold uh, sort of open uh, zendo, a hall for zen. And it was right at the base of a mountain, which sounds great because it was beautiful. It was in the middle of the National Forest. And oftentimes uh, we'd be there before sunrise, and the sun took a little while to get over the mountain. And as it did, the cold air from the mountain's tops would rush down into the open door of the zendo. So we'd be ice cold, but yet we wouldn't move. The only heat was coming from this tiny little um, incense stick on the altar and a candle flame, and we were freezing. And we're in our black robes, and of course we're not moving. The mice, the field mice were also freezing, and they would come in and out of the zendo at will because the doors were open. And they would run up the side of the post of the building and run along the rafters um, that held up the roof. And sometimes they would run down and run across our laps. Now here's where the tapas comes in. What does it feel like when a mouse runs across your lap? And can you be present to the discipline of sitting perfectly still and still continuing to count. 
Of course, most people would jump up and scream, and some people did, but the practice is to be present with anything and everything that is occurring during those periods of sitting, which is what they call meditation and Zen. Now, quite often, it wouldn't be that dramatic. Sometimes it's just there's an itch on the side of your face or you really want to move your legs because your foot's falling asleep or your back hurts. And the spiritual discipline is to sit perfectly still and meet with your awareness these, um, these places of discomfort and continuing to sit with it because that is what your spiritual discipline is. And this burns away the... Um, the likes and dislikes, it starts to create an equanimity. Once you start to explore discomfort beyond the label of discomfort, start to explore pain or or any of the um, unpleasant situations, start to really explore it with your awareness and it starts to create that equanimity to the environment. So when your eyes open up in the meditation, after the meditation, you get off the, the cushion, you can meet life like that. And quite often, when you read about the the saints, um, the you know the Hindu saints or the Vedic saints or the Christian saints, they do a lot of these disciplines to um, rid themselves of the enslavement, let's say, to the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, as we move through our practices um, or your job, if you can become in the present moment then they say, you know, they as the the gurus or um, the spiritual teachers say that the suffering doesn't actually exist. It's only in the past and the future when the mind wanders away from the present moment that the suffering exists. Um, The sensations are still there. The experience is still there. But it's not identified as suffering or pleasure on the other side. Um, One of my teachers, Rama Jyoti Vernon, she long time ago said to me that there is no pain in the present moment. And of course, when I was sitting for long periods of time, there was tremendous pain. <laughs> and then I started to take her words for what it was, and I would go as far as, as close as I could to the pain in my knee. I would try to identify the very nerve endings that were having the pain. And the closer I got, the less suffering there was, the less pain there was. It was just a sensation. But... As I would leave, my mind would wander somewhere else. That pain would come back very strong, almost as if it were calling out to me to pay attention to it. And I I would leave, and it would be like, wait a minute, I'm still here. So um, that's a practice that we can use, is just to see, where is the real suffering? Where is that real pain or burning sensation that we have? And then maybe we purify enough to see that it's just a sensation, or we can see maybe the truth of a situation in our lives. Mm-hmm. Is it, what is it? And it gives us that ability to see clearly. Yeah, rather than the story we might have about it, my mm-hmm. knee, you know, what? let's say it's the knee, and my knee used to hurt a lot, was sitting for hours on end, and, you know, there'd be the story, oh my God, I ruined my knee when I was biking, or I shouldn't have done that to my knee when I was skiing, and, you know, the stories come up, and that's where the suffering exists in the stories, and we were talking again on that call about someone was having some challenges with their body and you know that they they never had had that before and they just had gotten a diagnosis that made it seem to them that it was going to be endless, that it was a permanent disability. And when she was talking about it, there was so much grief from the loss of the way life used to be and so much fear 
when she started looking ahead and realizing she has to live with this disability. And in the present moment with us on the phone, she was actually fine. But the mind travels to the past, the future, creating this fantastic story that can really cause the suffering. So being present with whatever arises is the practice for this, for this particular niyama. Do you think we should meditate? I think we should. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about meeting the body? I think we'll do a body awareness practice uh, and a mindfulness so, practice. As we move into our practice, um, well, there will be stillness. And that's one of the oldest um, uh, kind of rules or guidelines for sitting in meditation is once you find your position is to stay in that position. So as we move through, um, take a vow or the discipline of stillness. And then you might feel that there's different places in the body that begin to speak to you. You might even feel what they call the burn. You might even feel a heat or a movement, a vibration. Sometimes it shows up as pain, sometimes just an experience. Allow yourself to listen to what that is. Be there, but don't take the action to change it. And just give yourself that opportunity to have that discipline for a moment. And um, another teaching along the discipline is that if we create this discipline, even if it's just for a moment, it builds our willpower and gives us clarity into the power that we have within us, the mind, the, the true power of our mind and our body. So let's get comfortable wherever you are. But remember, this, this choice you're going to make is where you're going to sit for the next 15 minutes or so. You can even imagine, if you like, that you're sitting in a monastery, in a, in a zendo. Um, you can sit sitting in a chair, but allow your back to remain very erect. You can also sit cross-legged on the floor in the half-lotus posture where you pull one leg up over the thigh as much as you can. Or if you're able to do a full lotus, we like that too. Although we, Zach and I both agree, it's challenging for most people. So sitting comfortably, cross-legged in a chair or even in that um, kneeling posture, sitting on a cushion. Find that spot for you. Now, as you settle into this posture, allowing your back to be straight, Allow your chin to tuck in just a little bit so the back of your neck is lengthened. Let your shoulders relax. Bring your hands together in a mudra. Would you like to share what mudra means, Zach? Mudra is an attitude. It can be done by the whole body. In fact, we're always doing a mudra. But a lot of times it is the hands that come together in a certain position that would signify a certain movement of energy in the body or give a focus for the meditation. And for this one, a nice one to use is just taking the right hand and let it rest in the left. And then just over the fingers, let the thumbs gently touch together. This will allow you to maintain your awareness rather than checking out or drifting away. That point between your thumbs allows for that bring it together and as the thumbs drift away you just bring it back again and again and relax your shoulders and your elbows make sure you feel balanced as you sit and we're going to begin 
I'll have you pay attention to your body so you can um, become body aware. But then we'll begin to pay attention to the breath. So with an attitude of an explorer, we'll begin. Now traditionally, Zazen is practiced with your eyes open. Your gaze can be toward the floor or at a wall nearby. If you feel more comfortable with your eyes closed, you may close them. Noticing the sensations beginning with the top of your head. bearing witness to the sensations that are present in your entire face. Becoming aware of the sensations in each ear and the back of your head. Becoming aware of the sensations in your jaw, and your throat, and the back of your neck. With the attitude of bearing witness, which is about paying attention without judgment and without trying to change anything being aware of what's going on right here, right now, in this moment. Begin to pay attention to your upper back and your shoulders. Bearing witness to your chest and the sensations that are present as you breathe. And scanning your back from the place where your seat meets the chair or the cushion all the way up to the base of your skull, scanning your entire back and rib cage, and noticing what sensations are present without a story and, if possible, without even a label. If the mind drifts away, it's perfectly okay. Simply bring it right back here. Now you can bring your attention to the sensations that are 
present in the diaphragm and the belly. Feeling the sensations in your hips, your pelvis, the pressure where you're leaning into the floor or the chair. And feeling each leg the sensations that are arriving right here, right now, as you sit in stillness with a neutral attitude, non-reactive, without a story, without labels, Being sure your arms are relatively relaxed and feeling the place where your hands meet in that mudra, sometimes called the cosmic mudra, that place where your thumbs are touching. The body and its sensations are always right here, right now, in this moment. And your awareness meets them as they change, as they move, as they meet your awareness. The practice here is to simply stay present without a story, without trying to make yourself more comfortable. There's no need to try too hard. And you can keep, com keep coming back to the focus, which right now we're going to change to the sensation of the breath as it moves in and out of your nostrils. Allow your breath to be natural. Notice the sensations that are present with your natural breathing. In the practice of Zazen, it's traditional to begin to count each breath. Breathing in, count one. Breathing out, count two. Breathing in, 
count three. Breathing out, count four. Count all the way to ten. If your mind drifts away, you can then once again start at 1. If you get to 20 and you miss 10, start again at 1. Begin again in every single moment. If you notice your attention has drifted away to another time, another place, We'll sit like this for another 10 minutes or so. If your body starts to call you, begin to allow your attention to move toward the sensation, exploring it deeper and deeper into the most subtle aspects of that sensation. There's no need to move. There's no need to respond other than with your own attention. And once the mind goes into a story, you can begin once again to count your breath, beginning again at one.
It's always important to come out of meditation slowly. So take your time. Staying in stillness as long as you like. Slowly, when you're ready, moving into activity. This practice of zazen is really tapas. Sitting through that discomfort, meeting every sensation with your awareness, exploring deeply what that sensation truly is without the labels. That inner fire will burn away all of the mental, physical, and emotional impurities that can veil your ability to see the world clearly and veils your, uh, the expression of your light, your beauty. I think of it as a soul shining, practicing tapas. So if we're looking ahead to the next few days and how you can practice tapas, I definitely suggest that you practice zazen and simply sit without any expectation, meeting your own mind, meeting your own, uh, your own discomfort, meeting every single moment with awareness and with that attitude of an explorer and simply sitting again and again and beginning again and again when the mind wanders off. So that's one way I think you could practice tapas and being sure that you make it a uh, priority to do the practice, whether you feel like it or not. What do you suggest, Zach? And, you know, a, a simple practice to do to just discover how the mind reacts to our different um, sensations in life and the um, situations that come at us in life is to be non-reactive. And so a really simple way to do this in your life is in your day when you have an itch on the body, instead of moving to scratch that itch, sit and be aware of it. Don't change it. Allow it to be the sensation that it is. And sometimes it'll take a lot of discipline to move through that. And you might even feel that burning that happens. And you can watch the itch will go away. It will eventually. And so that might be just a very simple practice that you can do. Just watch the itch, but don't scratch it. <laughs> it's almost like when your phone buzzes or rings, resist the urge to pick it up without taking a moment to be very present to where you are right now. Rather than being a human doing, be a human being. Mm -hmm. I love when you often say the benefits of, of these practices and the benefits of tapas. Mm -hmm. The benefits of tapas are that um, they call them cities. We get these powers or we experience powers. Um, and I think more of a, a, a better way to look at that is, is that it, it clears the consciousness or your awareness of consciousness and you tend to have a bigger perception and more capability to live in your life. Um, so they do talk about the cities or the powers that we can get from doing our austerities or the tapasya. Um, some of them being, um, they're all written down in the Yoga Sutras by location and clairvoyance and being really big or really small or understanding the gross and the, uh, you know, the finite. Um, 
And one of the reasons is, is because it's natural for us to be able to do that. They're not really powers. It's actually our natural state to be able to understand these as long as we're purified. They also do say about those powers is that they're not to be used too much or at all because the ego can identify that with them very, very much. And they call them one of the pitfalls that we can fall into in our practices. So um, just to be reminded of that, that that's the way that they speak about them. The real goal here is not powers or power. The real goal is transcendence or samadhi. That's right. To get to know yourself, to become intimate with yourself, and to wake up to your interconnection with everything else, and to transcend your uh, dislikes and your likes so that you're more neutral and present for what is in this life. Well, thank you for joining us today, and hopefully you'll meditate more and make that commitment to do it at least twice a day, every day. So we'll talk to you soon. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.